Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. This week we're going to conclude talking about the Christmas story in the Bible by reading the account from the Gospel of Matthew about what transpired with Joseph, Mary, and Jesus after the visiting wise men had delivered their gifts. Herod had entrusted the wise men with the task of finding the baby that was rumored to be the newborn Messiah. The wise men, figuring out Herod's evil intent for the child, want nothing to do with his plan and avoid him by going home by a different route. Now warning, this story contains graphic material some of you may find offensive, even though it's in the Bible. Or as they say at the movies, this story may not be suitable for all audiences. So we continue at Matthew 2.13. Now when the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, And he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Here ends the reading. The story of Christmas brings us great joy, especially when we go to church on Christmas Eve to light candles, sing Christmas carols, and then go home to open presents and eat cookies. We have an idyllic picture of Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, surrounded by angels, shepherds, and livestock. The visit of the wise men on a star-guided journey, bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh, sometime later to honor the newborn Messiah, completes the peaceful picture. At this point, however, our story takes a nasty turn. It should not surprise us, though because we know that Jesus was born into a violent, sinful world. The wise men are the good guys in the story. Although Herod Herod tells them to bring news of where they find the child so he can go worship them, they're not fooled and avoid Herod as they flee the country by a different route. Well, Herod is livid 
His murderous rage exposes just how much he is threatened by a tiny baby who might someday try to become king, or the people might try to raise as king, and often try to avoid prophecies that aren't in their favor. Tyrants like Herod don't like competition. He expresses his rage by ordering the slaughter of every male child under two years old in the region surrounding Bethlehem. It's reminiscent of the story of the birth of Moses in Exodus when the Pharaoh ordered the midwives to put all the male Hebrew babies to death because he too feared the the power of the Jews. Jews, ancient and modern, have been the target of constant genocide. Now, the Coventry Carol, a song written for a 16th century Christmas pageant, does not shy away from the horror of the event that we've just described. In the play, three women from Bethlehem sing to a child, Lully, lully, thou little tiny child, bye-bye, lully-lay, lully-lay, thou little tiny child, bye-bye, lully-lully. O sisters, too, how may we do, for to preserve this day, O this poor youngling for whom we sing, Bye-bye, lully-lully. Herod the king in his raging, charged he hath this day, his men ought in his own sight all children young to slay. Then woe is me, poor child, for thee, and ever morn and day, for thy parting nor say sing, Bye-bye, lully Lolay. Hardly a cheery tune. Over the years, I've led groups on pilgrimages to the Holy Land, and a favorite stop on the trip is always the Church of the Holy Nativity in Bethlehem to visit the venerated site of Jesus' birth. It's worth the wait in a long line just to stand in such a holy place. Descending into a dank crypt, On the other side of the church, however, arouses quite different feelings. Visitors stand in stunned silence as they view the heaps of tiny skulls and bones in the chapel of the Holy Innocents, evidence of Herod's slaughter. The visitors are inevitably struck dumb by the enormous cruelty of Herod's act, even though it occurred over 2,000 years ago. How could anyone do something like that? Fortunately for the Holy Family, just before Jesus was born, an angel appears to Joseph again and warns him to take his family and flee to Egypt. We don't know exactly how long they resided there, since the historical records are murky and Matthew just doesn't say. But they were probably in exile from a few months to a couple of years. When news of the death of Herod was delivered to Joseph, once again, uh, by God or an angel, they head back to Bethlehem. And when they discover that Herod's son, Archelaus, had taken his father's place, they continue north to Nazareth and take up residence there. These incidents provide a dark and troubling ending to the Christmas story. They threaten to put a damper on the Christmas spirit. Looking back, the whole Christmas narrative really is a sad tale. To begin with, Mary's pregnancy was tainted with scandal. She was a young, unmarried virgin when she found out she was pregnant. 
And after an arduous journey to Bethlehem to register for a census, which served an unjust tax code, they are unable to find a proper place for Mary to give birth and have to settle for a stable. Then they're forced to flee the country with a newborn as we learn about Herod's attempted genocide. Even after they come back from Egypt, they find no security. It seems they will always be on the run. In the end, this is a story about refugees. Mary and Joseph are displaced from their home at a vulnerable time in their lives by religious and political turmoil in the region. They are two of the multitude of refugees who have suffered a similar fate over millennia. Unfortunately, this story could have, play, could have been played out in 2023 with little change to the characters or circumstances. Bah humbug, you think? I must sound like a real Scrooge taking the joy out of Christmas. If the Christmas story is not uplifting, what is the point? Now, as a pastor, I'm going to have to try to avoid my natural tendencies to sugarcoat, or worse yet, totally ignore this story to give my audience, that's you, what you want. Happy or sad, this story is at the center of the Christian faith. I won't therefore try to explain what happened by saying how blessed the Holy Family was escaping the massacre. Even after that, they were still refugees driven from their homeland. We can only imagine the hardships and the dangers that they experienced while they were on the road. I would not say that any refugees are blessed in a real sense of the word. They were saved, but they were not blessed. All's well that ends well is not very comforting. I also am going to avoid calling this story divine vengeance. Despite Herod's effort to get rid of a potential Messiah, he's thwarted at every turn. And we know he ends up dying not long after all of this transpired. So all was for naught. And I'll also not turn my back on the horror of the slaughter of innocent babies. If we were, are disturbed by this, well, so be it. We are supposed to be. What would it say about us if we were not disturbed? Frankly, I could probably find something just as disturbing on the 5 o'clock news tonight, or most any night. We've come to expect slaughter. I have a tendency to just turn the TV off so that I don't have to watch. The world is full of tyrants, violence, hatred. Too often today, the violence is committed by everyday folk like you and me, not tyrants like Herod. Fact is, this story does not offer any easy answer to the question posed by the existence of such evil. Why would God let this happen? Instead of just warning them to flee, why doesn't God save all those innocent children? And why are so many people, then and now, faced to leave their homes and barely scrape out a meager living in some foreign land? Why do the words of the psalmist sung by the refugees from Judah to Babylon ring universally true? They sang, How can we sing the Lord's song? 
in a foreign land. Maybe the real point of the story, and that Matthew included it in his story of Jesus' birth, is to make us feel uncomfortable. It would be all too easy for us to focus on the pleasant sentimentality of a baby being born and ignore the cruel reality of the time, just as it is all too easy for us to focus on our comfortable lives and ignore the plight and suffering of literally millions of displaced refugees all around the globe. If we did that, we would also be ignoring the purpose that God sent a son for in the first place. If we turn back to the Gospel of John, to the verse that is traditionally read during candlelight services on Christmas Eve, we will get a glimpse of that purpose. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was ma- that was made was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness to the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness to the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man which was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own did not receive him, but as many who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth." Christmas story begins in darkness. All kinds of darkness. There is evil and injustice in the world. The evil and injustice is exemplified by the slaughter of the innocents. The evil is exemplified by the history of persecution of the children of Israel. It is exemplified by the suffering of refugees today. It was exemplified by the suffering and death of Jesus on the cross. But finally, finally, we get to the good news. The darkness did not overcome the light. And that light is still shining for us. So today, listen to the story. Listen to it honestly. Because in the end, the world is enlightened by the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining me. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. May God be gracious unto you and give you peace.